What is going on, everybody? You are back on another edition of the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser. I am joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb. Caleb, we just, before we got on here, saw Dak Prescott sign a massive contract. If you signed a deal with a $66 million signing bonus, what would you buy? What would I buy? Um, I'd probably buy a lake house down at the Lake of the Ozarks, a new boat, a new truck, and then probably a uh, cooler and some more beers to put into it. That's what I'd buy. <laughs> uh, you could buy all the beers you wanted, I think, with the, with that $66 million, buddy. <laughs> Definitely, dude. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, all that money for someone not named Patrick Mahomes, it looks like the Chiefs got a steal on, on 15 now. Dude, that's a, literally as soon as I saw that deal, I texted all my buddies in our group message, and I go, "Yo, that Patrick Mahomes deal looks like a steal right now, man! Oh man!" Jeez, and you know what? Dak deserves it. Dak's played well the last few seasons in Dallas. You know the Cowboys aren't exactly the greatest team in the world. Jerry Jones negotiating very questionable, but you know that's the first big quarterback contract post Mahomes, not post Malone, post Mahomes. But it's just astronomical what teams are willing to pay when they think they have their franchise guy. And, you know, you kind of look forward a little bit. You know, Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, you know, a lot of these other AFC quarterbacks are going to have deals on the horizon pretty soon. So we're about to see some big money quarterbacks in the AFC here in the next few seasons after, especially with those deals coming up for those guys. No question about it. And, like, obviously, congrats to Dask, Dak. Like, get your money, man. Get paid. Uh, congrats, especially coming off, you know, an injury and seeing yourself get injured and, and not having a deal in place. That's got to be terrifying as an NFL player, you know. So good for him on that. But you're right, man. And it's so crazy you think about all of the, the AFC quarterbacks. Like you're just saying, like, that is – the AFC is wild with quarterbacks right now with young ones, too, that are going to be around forever. And, and luckily, Kansas City has – Mr. 1-5 for the next uh, 10 years. So um, I'm, I'm liking the deal even more that, that they got done now seeing some of the some of these numbers, like the, the, the one we just saw with that coming out. But let's, uh, let's talk Chiefs a little bit here. We've been kind of co- going through the roster there, uh, combing over it um, position by position. And really the last one that we, we kind of have left here is linebacker. And actually – before we go forward with that, I, I would be remiss if I didn't um, mention that, you know, congratulations to Anthony Sherman on his retirement. Um, obviously, one of the fan favorites in Kansas City, a dude that did all the dirty work, um, didn't didn't see the field too much in the past few years. But you think about um, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and that last touchdown they got had, had a crucial block on that. And you know, one of Mahomes' first touchdowns, just an all-around great dude that I, everybody clearly loved. There was pretty pretty big outpouring of love towards him. So sad to see him go, but happy for him that he's getting to retire and move on to that next chapter of his life. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He was one of the uh, original Chiefs that Andy Reid brought in, I believe, up until he announced his retirement. It was just Fisher and Kelsey and Sherman left from that original crew of 2013 Chiefs, and now we're just down to Kelsey and Fisher. But absolutely, you know, he came in, you know, early on in his time in Kansas City, they needed to have a good fullback, a reliable fullback, because Andy Reid likes to do all kinds of crazy things in offense. They've run a lot of pistol with Alex Smith, and Jamal Charles was playing running back, so it was a pretty easy formula that they had there for trying to find success. And, you know, if you remember, Sherman had a couple of big plays in the playoffs a couple of seasons in a row, you know, and they get Patrick Mahomes, they go to more of a passing spread type. Look, he still finds a way to contribute on special teams. You know, his value was in short yardage these last few seasons. His value was in doing the dirty work no one else wanted. And I know I saw a lot of people, you know, they say maybe we should be letting Sherman go. There's no reason to be paying him a million dollars. You pay a guy like that to come in and be a leader, to come in and do everything the right way. And I'll tell you what, man, the Chiefs are going to have to find him because he seems like one of those guys you can easy, easily replace. But that, that attitude, that energy, that effort he brings every day, that's pretty hard to find. So Chiefs will have to do a little bit of work to find their next guy like that. But uh, overall, I mean, congratulations. I mean, he came in, 
they got the job done. He played in two Super Bowls. You know, that's a pretty storybook career, if you ask me. Hell yeah, man. Most people don't last in the NFL. I think the average career is like three to five years. And he was able to play in it for nine, including, like you said, two Super Bowls. And he got he got a Super Bowl ring. So pretty awesome there. Do you remember? And I didn't I didn't remember this until Nick Jacobs. I saw he tweeted out. Do you remember who they traded for Anthony Sherman? Uh, I want to say it was Javier Arenas. Yes, it was Mr. Javier Arenas. <laughs> One little name from a uh, name from the past. There, I had so, such high hopes for Arenas, and then I saw that they traded him. I was like, "Did we really just trade a corner for a fullback?" And it turns out that was a good trade because <laughs> Anthony Sherman was on our roster. I don't, I don't even know if Arenas played after that year that they traded him. No, I mean in. Sherman, I mean, he's just, I mean, he really was one of the best fullbacks in the NFL, you know. I know everyone, a lot of people are just going to remember him for some of the training camp entrances and some of the antics and that stuff. I know a few, I know from watching the Pat McAfee show, you know, he's he's one of the boys, you would say, because they gave away his, Dustin Colquitt gave away his truck or something. I don't know if you saw that, but obviously a great guy, you know, really big into charity, supporting the military. And things like that. And he's always going to be missed in Kansas City. And I hope that we get to see old Sherm back banging the drum a few times to uh, start some games off here the next few seasons. Yeah. And that, if you haven't seen the story behind the whole truck thing that he ended up giving away, dude, you got to go look it up because I, I, it is hysterical. It basically was a prank and then it turned into something even more. And Dustin Colquitt ended up like breaking into his phone. And like, it's a really good story. I highly recommend going uh, checking. Like you said, Pat McAfee had him on. So I'm sure if you just YouTube Anthony Sherman, Pat McAfee, he goes through the whole story, story there and, and Colquitt gets on at one point and talks about it. It's, it's pretty epic. Um <laughs> For sure. And then obviously it turned into something great where they raised a ton of money for a good cause. So can't really beat that. But let's talk uh let's talk linebackers. It's really the last position that we have have uh, to go here um before we start turning to, you know, free agency and even even more and then and then the draft even more. Um linebacker is an interesting position for a few reasons. And, and it starts with kind of two guys, which there was, it seemed like every single week people were talking about it. And it's Mr. Ben Neiman and Mr. Willie Gay. Ben Neiman, not even under contract for the Chiefs as of right now. Highly doubt that they bring him back. And then Willie Gay, you know, they drafted him early last year in the second round. Um, struggled to find the field. And then finally started to see the field a little bit more and started to flash. And you saw the athleticism, the playmaking ability. And then he gets hurt and he misses the entire end of the season. So, and, and the other thing interesting there was the comments about, we talked about last week, Brett Veach coming out and he kind of flat out mentioned the offensive defensive line. And then the, in the third um, mentioned there was, was linebacker as a priority this off season. So um, I'll start, I'll start just right away. What, what are your thoughts on Willie Gay and obviously just him taking the next step next year? Well, first of all, if the Chiefs happen to do something wild like bring back Ben Neiman, I think our friend and a fellow Arrowhead Live podcaster Jordan Anderson would need to be put on some sort of a watch <laughs> or some sort of a list or something along those lines because be every be every day at some point we're getting a message in our group chat from Mr. Jordan Anderson and it's basically his professed hatred for Ben Neiman. So, you know, yeah. Ben Neiman's been bad. I don't really expect him to be back as bad as he played. If he is, I'll be really shocked. And if he is, then we're going to have to go see what our guy is up to. But uh, as far as Willie Gay is concerned, the flashes he showed are special flashes. The only problem is we didn't see enough of it. And it's not even like he was out there messing up. It's just that he wasn't out there to even have the chance to mess up plays. He had a couple of bad plays at times. You know, he looked like he didn't quite know where he was supposed to be in coverage. But then you see him making plays like he comes all the way from the well linebacker to tackle Josh Jacobs and save a potential 60-yard gash in that second game versus the Raiders. He's knocking passes down. And then, you know, you see that speed and athleticism, the way he flies to the ball, the way he finishes plays and tackles and wraps up. He does those things well. And it just like, I mean, if you listen to our show week in, week out, we got to the point like in week 10 where we 
we gave up on it. Like I gave up on trying to figure out what the situation was. And I believe I said the line many times. If someone tells you they don't know what's going on, if they know what's going on with Willie Gay, they're lying to you. That's pretty, pretty telling to me, but you know, I think he has to be the guy in line. I think he has to be the guy they're getting ready to go now. Cause He's got that year under his belt. It's unfortunate he didn't get to play in the playoffs any, but, you know, this year's got to be his year where he steps up. You know, he's the guy they've been looking for for years now. He's a fast, athletic, pass-covering linebacker. He can blitz. He could, if, he, if he applies himself the best he can, and if Spags can get the most out of him, this guy could be one of the most complete linebackers in the NFL, and I think everyone that's watching him play agrees with that. It's just those tools, they're still a little bit raw, but this is a big offseason for him. This is, he's got the biggest offseason of anyone on the roster right now. I'll just tell you that right now. Yeah, and and the thing I think that people got to re- remember, too, when thinking about Willie Game is he didn't – Willie Gay, he didn't play a ton of games at Mississippi State, right? He had some injuries. Um, he didn't – I mean, I don't even know if he played the equivalent of two full seasons – so he's still learning the position. So he's raw. I mean, he got into Kansas City last year, and you could kind of tell at times um, he was still processing stuff, which when you process stuff, you don't get to play as, as fast as you possibly can. And with him, that's his greatest asset, right? It's his athleticism. It's his blitzing ability. It's his ability to drop in coverage and get his hands on on the football. Um, he's just an explosive athlete. And I think that last year, obviously, with the whole COVID situation, that hurt him a lot too because he didn't get that full offseason of reps. He didn't get the OTAs. He didn't get all those reps of being able to in coaching that, that you just have to get when you're a young player, especially making that jump where you don't have a ton of experience coming out of college. Um, but you could tell the talents there. I mean, the dude played in the SEC, and he he popped on film even in, in his college film, right? When you can pop on film in the SEC – um, you're doing something right, right? That's, I mean, that's as good as football as you're going to get. So I expect big things out of him this year. Like you said, he's got to, he's got to be the linebacker that's with Anthony Hitchens. Um, he's got to be on the field in diamond nickel situations where, it, you know, last year it was Ben Neiman. They just need to get more athletic at the linebacker position in general. You know, unfortunately, I think with Hitchens' contract, they, they have him for at least another year. Um, but speaking of Anthony Hitchens, he's not the only linebacker that they do have on roster. Right now, obviously, they have – we just talked about Willie Gay, who's super, super cheap. They also still have Dorian O'Daniel, which I, and he, he's a name that we're going to have to talk about. They have Darius Harris, um, Omari Cobb, Emmanuel Smith, Anthony Hitchens, and, and that's it right now for, for linebackers that they have on roster. So you can see kind of why Brett Beach would mention that that's got to be a priority for them this offseason. Um, Damian Wilson is a free agent who obviously played last year and he was, he's a solid player. He, but again, he, he just lacks the chiefs are so bad at covering linebackers and tight ends and covering the middle of the field. I mean, they have to get more athletic at the position. You know, Damian Wilson, I think he's pretty good at just being like a walk up EOL type linebacker. He's got a, he's a big physical player, but you know, in the end, he's just not athletic enough to go out there and cover guys and you know he got put in some bad spots because of that not really his fault the Chiefs got to do better with that personnel but I think the reason Brett Beach mentioned that is I remember when Spags first got here he really tried for several weeks to just run a a regular 4-3 defense without so much of the dime looks and eventually he had to scrap that to put Sorensen in and get him more reps and eventually you know they did a lot of what they did this year some of those three safety looks I feel like he wants to get back to that 4-3 set because I mean to be honest with you it would help make the team just much more balanced defensively I think that's an issue they ran into the Super Bowl is they finally get exposed for their lack of being able to cover running backs out of their backfield, their lack of being having someone that's really good at covering tight ends. So that's got to be something I think they would want to make themselves more balanced and also, you know, maybe not have to rely on stacking the box every time by having another good linebacker in there. I don't know if Damian Wilson's that guy they're going to be able to get to with three downs. Now, Willie Gay and Anthony Hitchens, I don't think there's any question those guys are two are going to be two of the guys that could be in that equation to getting back to a classic 4-3 under that Spags wants to play. But, you know, 
I know a lot of people are saying they don't want the Chiefs to draft a linebacker, and we'll get into this more during draft season. There's a lot of talent, a lot of talent that's going to be available in that 31 to 63 range or whatever it is the Chiefs are drafting in. I wouldn't be surprised if they went with a linebacker in the first two rounds. I don't think they're going to sign anyone, and I don't think any of those guys we mentioned are really a part of the equation at linebacker. Yeah, and you talk about the Super Bowl, and we kind of mentioned it when we did our Super Bowl recap, is that, I mean, it was pretty evident what the the Bucks game plan was on first down. The Bucks game plan on first down was go 12 personnel, put two tight ends in the fa- on the field, make the Chiefs go base defense, run play action, and force the linebackers to cover their tight ends, which they couldn't do. And I, I think that that is definitely something that they're looking at. And they saw it all year, you know, as good as the Chiefs' corners were, where they were, I think, top three in the league uh, against, you know, receivers catching passes against them. They were bottom three in the league for, for tight ends, defending the tight end. So it is a huge priority for them. And, you know, some of that obviously, too, like you mentioned, it is, you know, Sorensen coming down in the box and having to play play that um, in dime situations where he's getting man up on the tight end as well. But th- they need to be able to do this with their linebackers. Let me let me ask you about Dorian O'Daniel because he's a guy that the Chiefs fans have been – really had high hopes for, I guess you could say, for for since he's been drafted. And he's a guy that basically hasn't been able to get on the field outside of special teams. Now, special teams, he's one of the best special teams players in the league. Um, he's, he's a four-unit type of guy. He can play on every single unit of the special teams. But he, he is somebody that has struggled to get on the field. And you'd think with his athleticism, he should be able to do some of the stuff that Spags likes as far as linebackers covering and linebackers blitzing. You know, if he couldn't get on the field this year, then there's probably some issues because there were times this season when, I mean, Ben Neiman, he was just out of place. He didn't look like he belonged on the field, and they just kept running him out there. So that's a pretty big indictment for to me on how they feel for O'Daniel. I know O'Daniel always had a lot of hype out of college, you know, and I get it. He came from Clemson, big national championship winning program, but I don't think the hype was always as warranted as it should have been. It was more of his athletic skills and like his combine performances and his pro days that were exciting people and not really his actual ability to play in games and stuff. And, you know, college is a long way from the NFL. So a guy can play in a good college defense and make plays in a big game. You know, there's tons of guys that do that and don't even see the NFL. So that's pretty much all I've got to say about O'Daniel. I know everyone's just been clamoring for him for a long time now, but I don't think he's in the equation either, even though I know he's been you know, a popular suggest that people throw out there as a guy that they want to see play more. But, I mean, at this stage in his career, if, if he's not on the field now, I think it's telling that he's probably not going to be much more than a special team contributor at this point in his career. Yeah, I think, I think the big thing that O'Daniel runs into with is he's not – really a true linebacker and he's not really a true safety like so he played like a overhang like star position out of a 4-2-5 like not in the box not quite a safety not quite a linebacker hybrid type guy and then in the NFL if he's not doing that specific role um there's not a a role really for him you see him when he's gotten chances to play in the box he struggles when linemen get on him right he can't he can't shed blockers very good He's just a little undersized for that role. Um, he is decent in space, and that's why he's a good special teams player. But the problem is, is that he he can't do really anything else. So I agree. I don't think he's going to be in the role for the linebacker position. I do think they, they keep him on the roster just because he is such a good special teams player. You know, he's a depth guy, but I wouldn't expect him to be on the field in defensive situations pretty much um, at all. Um, the other linebackers, they have Amari Cobb. Emmanuel Smith, these guys actually kind of got into the game at the end of the year in some situations where um, Chiefs ran into some linebacker depth issues and and it was late in the season and they didn't really need to play anybody else. Um, Do you see either of these guys sticking around and being out? They might be on the roster, but do you see them making any contributions at all? Uh, I know uh, Amari Cobb had a rough game against the Falcons there whenever they were letting him rep in a little bit of time against the Falcons. I know he didn't look particularly good when Hitchens left that game. And I know, you know, the combination of Smith and Cobb, they didn't really look all that great versus the Chargers. 
in that uh, little uh, in the Chiefs uh, rest game at the end of the year when they were, you know, in the game when those guys should have been going out and trying to give the best look they can. You know, uh, they are likely, I think, a couple. I mean, either one or two of them, I think, will be back for special teams purposes just because they can keep that familiarity there. And, you know, they're cheap, solid backups. But I don't think those are going to be guys that have the talent level the Chiefs are going to be looking for to step up and play. And, you know, linebacker was one of the Chiefs' weakest positions on the roster. We knew that. You know, I don't think there's anyone in that unit that was a backup last year that's going to have, outside of Willie Gay, that's going to be having a big impact on the future of the club. And I think that's kind of why Brett Veach mentioned that in his free agent talks or in the talks about positions they need to upgrade, you know, you know, they have one consistent player there last season at the position. It was Anthony Hitchens. He had the best season of his career by far the best season of his career. He looked comfortable. He knew what he was doing and he was just out there playing football and everyone else, you know, those flashes between Willie Gay and the mess ups from Neiman and, not really too much else was going on at that position this year. So it's something, you know, that I've been saying this for a while, though. The Chiefs are really getting close to having one of the best defenses in the NFL, at least in my opinion, if they can keep the secondary intact. But having good linebackers in there, that also helps that a lot more. Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't I don't think that, like you said, I don't think that the answers are on the roster right now, right? Those guys that we mentioned – they just don't seem like guys that would be able to step in in a starting role. Like you already mentioned, Amari Cobb with the Falcons, and then the game that's against the Chargers with these guys, Mano Smith, Amari Cobb. They got more reps. They just they they didn't get it done. Um, do you, let me ask you about a couple of free agents. Levante David is obviously a name that everybody is hyped up about. Per Spotrack, he he's a guy that could be at getting asked for twelve point seven million. That's his market value per the spotrack.com um and then the other one is kyle van noy so van noy is really interesting to me so i I don't think that the chiefs have the money to spend on levante david i don't want them to spend that much money on an off the ball linebacker um even though they do have you know need at that position i don't think that's worth it but noise and van noy is interesting if they can get him at a cheap price i think he's an interesting piece because he's a bigger body he can rush the passer he can do some different things you think about you know, how he was used in that Patriots and, and Miami scheme, obviously the Dolphins scheme being pretty similar because it was the same guy running it <laughs> that came over, um, you know, but I, I don't know how much he would be asking. There's not a number there, market value on Spotrack. I don't think it would be in the 12 range. I could see maybe eight to nine. He, I think he's a pretty good free agent, so people could be – he could be pretty sought after. Do you, do you have any interest in these guys or are they just not worth paying? I don't think uh, – I, I really don't think Levante David's even going to leave Tampa Bay. You know, it's pretty hard. He's been there for a while now. You know, it's pretty hard to have a guy like that not be able to find back such a talented player who had such a big impact on your team winning a Super Bowl. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he'll finish his career at Buccaneer. And he's also 31, at least in my opinion. That's too old to be signing a linebacker. You know, a guy that's going to have a – it's going to take over 300 hit big hits a season you know that's just too much in my opinion but Van Noy is interesting because he doesn't really fit anything the Chiefs like to do in my opinion for their defense you know he's that 3-4 Bill Belichick you know he was like Bill Belichick's chess piece he did everything for him in New England whether it was rush the passer whether it was drop into coverage cover people you know he's a big body it'd be interesting to see what he could do I just don't know if the Chiefs are wanting to get older at linebacker right now. I think they might be trying to focus on getting younger. And, you know, I could also see Van Noy making a little bit more money than you said. I think he'll fall in like the $10 million range because he's a good team player. You know, they had him as a captain in Miami. I think I read the comments he made after they cut him. He was pretty upset about that because, you know, it was his first season. They're starting to build. You know, they missed the playoffs by a game. Uh, their defense is on the cusp of becoming one of the best units in the NFL at defense, and they let him go. So, you know, it'll be interesting. He is a ball player, though, and even though he doesn't fit the Chiefs' scheme, you know, players that can play, you can, you got to find a way to get them on the field. So it would be interesting for sure. Is there any free agents that, you know, if you're 
looking through them, there there are some names there that, you know, they're kind of whatever. It's not a great, great class outside of that. You know, you're looking at like a Christian Kirksey, Denzel Perryman is a couple of veterans. Um, you know, Ruben Foster is a guy who has about a billion injuries, who is a big name. Reggie Ragland's out there. Um, I'll give you two names that I, I'm kind of interested in. And these guys are guys I think that would be cheap. Um, guys who probably nobody knows or who very few people know. And that is, first one is, I'm going to say his name wrong. It's Camus Gruguier-Hill. He played at Miami last year. He was a strong safety out of Eastern Illinois. He ran a 4-4-5 at the Combine um, and now plays outside linebacker. And then the other one is this name that some people might remember is Patrick, uh, I, I'm going to say his last name wrong too. Patrick on on Wasori on Wasori or something like that. Um, he played for the Ravens and then the Jets. He didn't play last year because he was hurt. But if you remember back, think back to the Ravens. He was number 48 when he played for the Ravens. Um, another pretty athletic guy. He also played strong safety in college at Portland State. Ran a four six two. Had 90 tackles in 2017 and 64 in 2019. So these are guys are two two athletic guys that I think that could, can play in space um, that I think would be pretty interesting options at the cheap that could be depth. I still think that they would have to address the position in the draft and draft people, but I think these guys are two guys that have been in the league. You know, they're still young, only four, five, six years, and, and could come in, contribute, could uh, fill that void, and also you know add depth along pretty much any of the positions at the linebacker. Yeah, I don't really know a ton about either of those guys. I remember uh, the dude from the Jets here a few seasons ago. Everyone was all hyped up on him, and he really hasn't turned into much of anything. And I look at this list of guys, and like you said, it's kind of it's not a real talented class, especially since a lot of the players in this class, it looks like you know there's like a lot of outside linebackers for three, four looks towards the top end of the free agent class, you know, I'm talking about guys like uh, Von Miller, Matt Judon, Melvin Ingram, Bud Dupree, Shaq Barrett, those guys. Those guys are all pass rushers, which I do think Bud Dupree would be interesting if we brought him in because he is coming off of a knee injury. Don't know if he's necessarily going to get the biggest payday in the world because of that. He'd have to come in and play with his hand in the dirt, more than likely be our pass rushdown guy. But the dude has talent. You know, he was on his way to another double-digit sack season. Price might not be there on that one, though. And like I said, you know, I don't really think there's a ton of guys the Chiefs could pick up for very cheap. You know, Denzel Perryman, he'd be interesting, but the Chiefs already have a guy that does what Denzel Perryman does. His name is Anthony Hitchens, so I feel like that would be that'd be a little counter intuitive for the Chiefs to find a guy like that you know and that's why I think the Chiefs are going to address this kind of stuff in the draft I really think that you know the options aren't exactly here right now for what they want because they have their thumper they have Hitchens he can go in there and blow people up in the box you know he's one of I think he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL at playing strictly inside the tackles you know you got Willie Gay you want him to be able to cover passers you want him to be that blitzing weapon off whenever you can utilize him they just need an overall guy they need an overall player I don't really see a guy that's affordable right now that could come in and be that affordable every down guy yeah it's it, like you said it's an interesting list because a lot of them are those stand-up ends um or stand-up edge rushers that that play in like a three four odd man front scheme the last name I'll kind of throw out there, who I think is, seems to be pretty productive, actually, which I, I wonder if Indianapolis will actually bring him back, and is, it's Anthony Walker. So Anthony Walker, he was drafted out of Northwestern, six foot one, two hundred thirty pounds, ran a four six five at the combine, um, selected in the fifth round in two thousand seventeen. He's actually started every single game for the Colts the last two years, and started in fourteen games in two thousand eighteen. And then his last three years have been 105 tackles, 124 tackles, 92 tackles. So pretty interesting. Has an interception um, each of the last three years. So he's somebody that's obviously has the production. Um, 
be interesting to see if if he would garner any interest being so young and being so productive and how much he would get paid. Yeah, dude, and you know, something to look at. Indianapolis, you know, they're becoming a very good defensive football team. You know, if you're having a hundred tackles a season, you're that guy. Um, he'll. I have a feeling though. You know, um, I think his agent says Drew Rosenhaus. So that guy's Drew Rosenhaus. If I'm not mistaken, it's pretty notorious for getting his guys paid. So. We'll see on that one, but, you know, everywhere I look at the NFL, it keeps saying, you know, the next 24 hours or the next two weeks are about to be crazy. And I was just reading some news here that just unfolded in the NFL. It doesn't have to do with linebackers, but, I mean, I think, you know, the legal tampering period starts here pretty soon, you know. Do you think there's about to be some major shakeups in the NFL? Because it's kind of seeming like we're headed for uh, a massive overhaul almost of the way the league looks just based on some of the reports right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we we can talk about this a little bit. I, I don't have anything really else as far as linebackers are concerned in Kansas City, but you're right. With, with you think about just tonight we talked about before we hopped on here, um, on Monday evening, Dak Prescott signs his massive deal. Marcus May, the safety for the Jets, is likely to be franchise tagged. I mean, they're talking about all these different rumors of guys who could be potentially cut or signed or bought, brought back. Um, another one apparently that just happened about a half an hour ago, ago, the Dolphins traded for Isaiah Wilson, the tackle from the Titans, which is Pretty pretty crazy. Um, you know, they talk about – you look at, like, the Raiders. The Raiders are rumored to basically make a complete change, a complete overhaul of their of their offensive line. Apparently Trent Brown could be traded. Richie Incognito is going to be gone. Apparently Gabe Jackson could be released or traded. So, yeah, I think, I think this is going to be a, an extremely – interesting thing another linebacker actually christian jones of the of the lions he was released so yeah there's there's going to be moves i think coming and they're going to be coming early and often i think the, the uncertainty of the cap kind of has a lot to do with that right definitely teams that were kind of in flux a few seasons or the last couple seasons before the pandemic hit you know this is kind of their worst case scenario meanwhile brett veach is just throwing money at everyone and he no, I I hope I hope we plan it like this, but he's just gonna be planning it as they go. But he Ravich is pretty good on the fly at moving money around, so I'm not overly concerned about that. But uh the Dolphins trading for Isaiah Wilson, that's one more tackle that could fall back to the Chiefs now. And now the Dolphins have two first round tackles on their roster from Austin Jackson and Isaiah Wilson now. Isaiah Wilson looks like if I'm the Dolphins, I'm trying to get him ready to slot him in at right and have Austin Jackson at left. Austin Jackson struggled a little bit for a rookie last season, not his best season. But like I said, you know, that's just one more team that doesn't have to draft a tackle. That's one more tackle that could fall back to the Chiefs. That that would be that would be outstanding. The Chiefs obviously got to look to the future for their tackle position. Um, do do you think? For the Chiefs, what what if you thought about like you know we talked about Trent Brown possibly being traded or Gabe Jackson for the Raiders or you know some of these other surprise things or they're talking about Russell Wilson and we'll get to that one in a minute. But do you think if you had to choose any big name from the Chiefs, do you think that they who do you think that they could either move in a trade or would they release? Do you think Raiders? No, the Chiefs. Oh, the who Ch- do you think? Yeah. See this. <laughs> The trade or release. This is something I've been wondering earlier because, you know, we hear about all these things, and I know everyone that's Chiefs fan, we're sitting here thinking in our heads, you know, oh, we're just going to come in and get guys. I mean, like, there's a chance the Chiefs could, you know, release a couple of guys or trade someone we don't expect. There's a chance that could happen. It's funny we talk about it, but they wouldn't save much money from trading Anthony Hitchens, but I feel like Anthony Hitchens would be an interesting trade piece for the Chiefs to maybe give someone, you know, he's a veteran leader. He's really a good 4-3 prototypical linebacker. He'd be a good guy for a, a defense that's developing to have in their system. I don't think they will. That's really the only guy I can think of that I would deem tradable for the Chiefs. Now, you mentioned these Oakland Raiders, or these Las Vegas Raiders and all this stuff and them getting ready to let go of those guys. That's even more interesting to me. 
because Gabe Jackson, I think he still has good football left in him. I don't think he's really – I don't think he would be that much expensive either, especially since he's getting ready to be released during this cap frenzy the NFL is about to have. He would be a guy I think could come in for one year and maybe help them just solidify it. He's a good pass blocker. He's solid. That would be interesting. I don't really see the Chiefs going after too many other big names in the market. But speaking of them, now who did you think? Because I wanted to talk about a guy who I think is easily a top five quarterback in the NFL. But before we do, and after before we do that, I wanted to just see, do you think the Chiefs could actually trade a player or go – do something like that because I don't think anything's out of the possibility for Beach. I just don't really see it happening right now. Yeah, it's so hard because my my mind immediately goes to Chris Jones, um, which I I wouldn't want because I think Chris Jones is a phenomenal football player. But if there's anybody that I could see them trading, I think it would be him because I think that's who they could get the most back for in return um, while saving the most money. Like there's some guys I think that they just, they just, they can't right now. Like you're not getting rid of Tyron Matthew. I mean, that dude was playing at like defensive player of the the year level last year. Um, You know, Frank Clark with his contract, I don't think that you can actually even trade him because of of the way that's structured. So I I don't think you can release him either. Um, So I think if you're if they were going to trade anybody, I think it would be Chris Jones Otherwise, you know, maybe one of their veteran tackles and Fisher and or uh, Schwartz, but Chris Jones would be the guy on my list. I don't, I wouldn't want them to do that, but that would be of the surprise moves. I think that would be it because I really do think Veach wants to try to keep that core of Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey and Jones and Matthew. Really, I want to. I think he wants to keep them together and make that the core and build around those guys. Um, which makes sense. I mean, they're they're great football players and they're young, so it makes sense. But yeah, that that's it. That, that he's the only guy I can think of, just because of the amount that you could get in return for him. If they did trade Chris Jones, I know last season uh, when his contract status was up in the air when they had him on the tag, and it seemed like every week no one knew it was happening, and all everyone was saying trade Jones. I was pretty adamant that if they trade Jones. They can get nothing less than at least one first-round pick and one second-round pick from a team. And with a player like Chris Jones, I think that, again, maybe not the second-round pick because the team would have to be taking on his contract, which is really a pretty good contract for a caliber of a player of his caliber. But you have to get at least a first-round pick like that. You know, Guys like Chris Jones, they do not come around every day. He is special. And I know people told me I was crazy – but Chris Jones just had a better season than uh, DeForest Buckner did for the Indianapolis Colts. And we saw what he got traded for last season from the Niners. You know, the Colts gave up some first round picks to get him in the building. They'll likely, you know, I think Chris Jones, especially after this last season he had after being an all pro, if they get anything less than at least one first round pick for him, it would be a complete failure of a trade. That has to be what Veach is demanding, if not more, because guys like Chris Jones, they are not built every day. You do not see interior defensive linemen come around all the time that can affect a game like he can. Yeah, and Buckner got, what, the 13th overall pick? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you're looking in that range of, of picks. The Giants at 11, the Vikings are at 14. The Dolphins at 18. The, I mean, how nasty would it be if Washington went out and got him with, with the defensive line that they already have? That would be wild. That would be unreal. <laughs> that would be wild if they tried to trade for him. But I don't know. Maybe even maybe a Dolphins or a Cardinals. You know, Dolphins, Cardinals at 16. Yeah. Would you do that if you're the Chiefs? Would you trade Jones to the Cardinals for the 16th overall pick? I don't know. See, I'm a big Chris Jones guy. I think that having an interior guy that can go in there and tear things up uh, is just so valuable, and people don't even think about it. But how many teams just have defensive tackles who have one or two sacks a season? They don't get any pass rush, really. 
and the Chiefs go out and Chris Jones has like a 90% pass rush grade this year. He makes another all-pro team. And also, everyone that called me crazy last year when I said if the Chiefs trade Chris Jones, they better get two firsts. Um, he is much better than DeForest Buckner is. He proved that this season. He proved that the season before, especially in uh, Super Bowl 54, when he batted down four passes, which, by the way, a batted pass, in my opinion, is just as good as a sack. So, I don't know. He's special. I don't know if I'd pull the trigger on that one because if we lost Chris Jones this next season, then I think we'd have a problem on the defensive line. I don't think they would be getting much pass rush at all if that were the case. Yeah, I mean, if the problem is, is if you trade a guy like Chris Jones, you're almost automatically going right into free agency or the draft looking to try to replace a guy like that. You know, obviously they have Turk Wharton, who has played phenomenal on the inside um, in his first year as an undrafted free agent, but he's not, you know, at the caliber of Chris Jones as of, as of yet, but you know, you also could have the dream of potentially selecting like a Jalen Waddle, and, and as an offensive guy and quarterback coach, the thought of Jalen Waddle and the Chiefs' offense is just makes my mouth water. It is it is <laughs> a good thought, but I don't know. I'm with you. I don't know if I could. Get, I, I don't know if I could trade Jones. Me, I trade Chris Jones only if I know I can take Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, or Kyle Pitts. There has to be one of those four guys there. That yeah. has to be the stipulation. One of those guys has to be there. And for me, I would lean Kyle Pitts just so we could watch some a freak, some freaky thing happen in Kansas City and watch some watch him and Travis Kelsey just pick on people. That would be my pick for that. But that would be like the best case scenario if they didn't happen to move a player like Chris Jones. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, real quick before we we get out of here, let's wrap up and let's talk about Russell Wilson because that is some that is some drama happening in Seattle right now. Dude, it came from the clouds. I and I, everyone's been theorizing about Deshaun Watson getting moved all season long ever since, you know, the Bill O'Brien saga. The writing's on the wall for that one. There's still not a lot of talk about it, you know. There's just kind of whispers. It's getting ready to explode here in a couple of weeks. But this Wilson situation feels like it just came from the clouds. And it feels like it's slowly been building and turning. And now we're getting reports from Wilson. And we're getting like, you know, I think his name, Dove Kleeman. He's like releasing some insider things that I believe the Seattle GM and Pete Carroll are probably directly releasing to him on the situation. In the other podcast I do, the Chiefs Take Podcast, I actually talked about this during the bye week of the Super Bowl, just when we were trying to find time to kill. But it kind of seemed like, just from me watching the body language of the Seahawks and their late game, because I try to watch them play whenever I can, just so I can watch Russell Wilson play, because he's that good. It just seemed like something wasn't there between him and Pete Carroll. And I kind of hypothesized that either Russell – I didn't say Wilson – I said, I don't think Pete Carroll – I said, I think Pete Carroll could be a candidate to get fired or to not be back in Seattle. Well, now we have this stuff coming out about Wilson. So it's crazy. You know, Wilson's side of it is the Seahawks, you know, for years have undervalued their offensive line play. They've tried to run a power-heavy run football scheme. It hasn't really fit him. And the Seahawks, you know, their argument back to that is when they went more to a spread – and when they went to more of a, you know an offense like the Chiefs would run, Russell Wilson didn't really play that well in it. So they're both batting heads on that. And I think this is the best recap I can give. Wilson gave uh, four destinations. One of those is no longer needed because uh, Mr. Uh, you know Dak got his big deal. But Chicago, New Orleans, and the Las Vegas Raiders were the three teams Russ thought were the problems and when I first saw that I thought it was just media hype and now as we get here like a week away from the tampering period and all that it's starting to look like some crazy things might be about to unfold I think that if you're Chicago and this is actually true man you move heaven and earth to try to go get him I I mean you trade Khalil Mack you trade all these dudes to go get Russell Wilson because they don't have a quarterback you know that if you're Matt Nagy, your job is dependent upon that at this point. Um, 
go get your quarterback. Russell Wilson's the top five, top three quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. I, I, it's crazy to me if you're Seattle. Like I know I've, other, I've heard other people say it. Like if it comes down to Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, you you fire Pete Carroll every single time. Like franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees in the NFL. Like that just doesn't happen. And it's so weird to me too because you look at like Seattle. And some of the movies they made, they went out and they traded for Carlos Dunlop, right? Or they signed him or whatever. And then they just released him today. Yeah. So it's like, what what's going on in that franchise? And it's weird, too, because if you're Russell Wilson, you have two of the really good, you know, receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So the fact that he wants to get out of there that badly with those two receivers on the outside, man, it tells you that there's there's definitely something brewing there. So... Like I said, if I'm Chicago, and one, I obviously don't want to see him with Las Vegas. I think that John Gruden still is one of the best player play callers in the NFL. Maybe not the best head coach at this point, but obviously the, the Raiders' defense is terrible. Like, they need to rebuild that thing like crazy. But he still can call an offense. I mean, they're, they're, you look at the first where they call the scripted plays, the first 15 plays of the game, the Raiders are one of the best in the NFL. And so then, then they have to get off, off script, and you're relying on a guy like Derek Carr who – you know, we've seen who he has been for the past few years. So, man, if I'm Chicago, though, I, I, I go get Russell Wilson and do whatever I have to do to get him. Dude, and looking back on the Seattle thing real quick, their culture up there, I don't think it's what it seems to be. And Pete Carroll, you know, he had some shady things happen at the end of his tenure in USC. I'm not saying anything's for sure here. I'm just kind of speculating. But the Seahawks, within their organization, had two major off-season incidents. We saw the one incident with their practice squad offensive lineman, Chad Wheeler. You know, he got arrested. He, you know, he's a physical, he's an abuser. He doesn't deserve to ever play in the NFL ever again. And then a lesser-known incident that happened, uh, one of their head of securities, you know, he gets caught in like some child pornography ring or something like that, or there's a lot of stuff like that, you know. That kind of comes back in, you know, where is like the character, the culture? Russell Wilson is one of those guys. He's outspoken about his faith, about his leadership. You know, I remember people called him corny one time. He's not corny. That's who he is as a person. That's where his morals lie. Something tells me that it's not just about what's going on in the playing field. I think there's some moral issues going on between him and Pete Carroll and the rest of that organization in general. But that's just my take on it. And if he happened to go to the New Orleans Saints, the rest of the league better watch out because that could be some potentially electric football. Uh, the Raiders, I don't know why. The Raiders love Derek Carr. Their fans love Derek Carr. So they're, they'd be upset if they got Russell Wilson because they wouldn't be able to win. They wouldn't be able to go 500 every year. They might take the next step or do something crazy like that. And uh, the Bears, God, I have a lot, I have so many friends that are Bears fans, and if they don't end up getting Russell Wilson, this has been the cruelest tease anyone could ever give to these guys. Because for the last two years of going to school with a lot of these guys, every day it's just I wake up and throw on my Mahomes jersey, and I'm like, man, and I was like, I don't know if but you guys know what this feels like, but this is special. And then I get to watch them, watch the Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles and all that stuff go on. So it would be interesting if they did get him. And, you know, the NFL is better in general, I think, when a historic team like the Bears are better. So it would be fun. It would be fun. Yeah, there's no question about that. But, yeah, like you said, too, New Orleans, man, with Sean Payton in that offense, he, he could do some damage for sure. Um but yeah, that's I mean, it's going to be it is going to be a wild ride here coming up I think in the NFL. So, it's going to be we're going to have a lot to talk about and and obviously we'll be covering it all and giving our takes and and really keeping an eye on what Kansas City does because we've talked, you know, we just went through in the last, you know, three or four podcasts and kind of gone through their entire roster of kind of where they sit and who they have and where they could be going in free agency. And then, you know, that's the first part of it. And then the next part of it is the draft, which is, which is right around the corner, my man. And we'll be, we'll be diving deep into all that stuff too. So why don't you uh, tell everybody what you're working on and we'll get out of here. All right, guys, you can find me on Twitter as always at CJ scoops. 
This week, um, I'm going to do another offensive lineman film review. Just because I enjoy reviewing the offensive line position, I want to pick another prospect. Last week, I did Elijah Vera Tucker, who is a guy who I think could be on the Chiefs uh, board. And this week, I think I'm going to do Tevin Jenkins. To me, he's a really interesting prospect. I know he's gotten a lot of hype these last couple of weeks, and some people are putting him as the second best tackle in this class. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a good tackle in the NFL. I think he can come in and be a guard right away. I guess I phrased that wrong. Jenkins is good, could has a chance to be a great player in the NFL. I just don't know if it's going to be a tackle early, but I'm going to write all about that. and You guys are going to have a chance to check it out. And then the GMKC will be out on Friday, as always. And who knows, I might throw in a mock draft or an extra story, or if some sort of big news happens, you might be able to catch me. But uh, you guys have a good weekend, and I'll uh, let Justin – finish the show out yeah dude i i really like elijah vera tucker and that was a nice piece he put out on him i think he's somebody that could be super super interesting with kansas city athletic guy can play tackle and guard i i'm i'm a fan of him for sure um yeah you can find me on twitter as always jdiz 1617 uh I, I will i will be doing a mock draft that'll be coming out on friday i'm excited for that i love draft season in general so we're ramping up to that and, that, and that'll be fun um, but go head over to Arrowhead Live. Check out all the stuff we got, all the merch, all the different articles, all the different pods. Guys, we'll be we'll be here covering everything in the next you know few weeks and stuff. It's going to be exciting, exciting off season in general for the NFL, and I think it's going to be exciting for Kansas City to see where they go um, with this roster because there's I think there's going to be a lot of moves that are going to be made, and in, in the roster that we're going to see next year is going to be nothing like the roster that we saw this year. So it'll be interesting to cover and fun to cover um that for sure but we appreciate everybody being here if you like what you're hearing make sure you're liking subscribing sharing around tell your friends tell everybody we appreciate y'all being here and we'll talk to you next time